Holy Gospel according to Luke, the 13th chapter. At that very hour, some Pharisees came and said to Jesus, Get away from here, for Herod wants to kill you. He said to them, Go and tell that fox for me. Listen, I am casting out demons and performing cures today and tomorrow, and on the third day I finish my work. Yet, today, tomorrow, and the next day, I must be on my way, because it is impossible for a prophet to be killed outside of Jerusalem. Jerusalem, Jerusalem, the city that kills the prophets and stones those who are sent to it. How often have I desired to gather your children together as a hen gathers her brood under her wings, and you were not willing. See, your house is left to you, and I tell you, you will not see me until the time comes when you say, Blessed is the one who comes in the name of the Lord. The gospel of the Lord. Praise, Praise to you, Lord Christ. I invite you to be seated. Jerusalem. Jerusalem, the city that stones the prophets and kills those who are sent to it. How long have I desired to gather your children together as a hen gathers her brood under her wings, and you were not willing. The summer after I turned 16, I got a job with the Louisiana legislature as a page. I worked in the Senate and also in the House chambers, and it felt like I had arrived. <laughs> I mean, everyone was dressed up in nice clothes and everybody had shiny shoes and the marble floors just sparkled and all the brass works in the building shone like gold and the beautiful carved mahogany desks oiled down and the plush carpets. I mean, it was a magnificent building, the Louisiana State Capitol, and it was designed to impress and intimidate and it did. There I was in the hallways of power at last. I was around, I thought, important, intelligent people who were doing important work. And I was enamored by all of it, thrilled to be a part of the echelons of democracy. My grandmother, though, was less impressed and much worried. I stayed with her that summer, and all she did was fret. She fretted about my safety. She worried that I wouldn't be safe just going from my car to the doors of the building in the bright light of day. But most of all, she worried about the foxes that she knew lurked <laughs> in those impressive hallways, and it was annoying to me. It really was. I mean, I remember, I was usually not a disrespectful kid, but at 16, my grandmother was trying to hem me in, and I didn't like it. I'm fine, I would tell her. You imagine things. You're worrying about nothing. Stop fussing over me, Grandma. But she would say, now you need to listen to Grandma. I love you, and it is my job to protect you. And she said, and I can't do that if you won't listen to me. 
Jerusalem, Jerusalem, how I have longed to gather you into my arms the way a hen gathers her brood beneath her wings, but you would not, right? You were not willing. She told me, she sat me down before I started work. She said, now if any of those men any, make any inappropriate passes at you, you say, no, sir. She says, when you call them sir, it'll remind them they're old, much too old for you. <laughs> and then she said, and if that doesn't work, you say, sir, hell no. One day I came home from work and I was absolutely just bursting with excitement because one of the representatives had invited all of us pages to come to a party that they were going to be having that Friday evening and everybody was going to be there, right? And it was going to be at a hotel. And my grandmother was fit to be tied and she said, you are not going to that party. And I said, she said, why would they invite a child to their party? She said, you are not one of them, and you are not going to any party. I was crushed. I was imagining being all dressed up in some beautiful ballroom and talking to smart, intelligent people about important things in the world. So I had a tantrum. And when it was all over, I had somehow managed to get her to agree that I could go if I was properly escorted by my older cousin, David. So I had called David on the phone. I hadn't seen David in a long time. He barely remembered me, I think. And I asked him if he would be my date to go to this thing because there was no way Grandma was going to let me go otherwise. And it was going to be a fabulous party date. So he shows up in her apartment and he is all dressed up and I'm all dressed up and we make a handsome couple and he's very gentlemanly and escorts me to the car and we go out and she is saying the whole time, I mean, she is just beside herself with anxiety. She says, this is a very bad thing. <laughs> she had been on the earth longer than I had, she told me, and she knew a thing or two, but she couldn't protect me, she said, if I wouldn't listen to her. We drove off. I waved at my grandma, and away we went. I was not listening. And we started to search for this address, which, you know, was before GPS. This was a long, long, long time ago. And um, we finally found the address, and we actually passed it a few times because, you know, it wasn't the picture. I was, had pictured something in my mind, and this was not the picture. We finally found the address. There was this gravelly, dis, you know, poorly repaired asphalt parking lot next to a, a, a cheap, dingy hotel. And on the upper floor, we pulled up, and there, hanging off the balcony, were most of the representatives and the senators. Drunk, so drunk, they were about to fall off the balcony. And there was a lot of noise pouring out of all of these hotel rooms. We drove back to my grandma's. I said, you were right. And she said, you are going to be the death of me. <laughs> you know, there is nothing, nothing, nothing in this world worse than seeing somebody you love headed into trouble. You know they're about to be in big trouble. You know it's your job to protect them, but you cannot. 
parents are hardwired to protect their offspring. I mean, there are some aberrations in this. We, we hear about them in the news. But for the most part, parents of every kind are taught to protect their offspring. And from a young age, we are taught, right, you do not get between some mother animal and her young. Why? Because she will just absolutely rip you apart if she thinks her offspring are being threatened. God has that same fierce love for us. God has that same fierce, protective, passionate, you know, do or die love for us. We are God's children. It is God's job to protect us. That is part of the title of God that comes in the job description. You have to protect us. But the problem is, too often, we make that really hard because we refuse to listen. Like Jerusalem, we want to go our own way. We want to do our own thing. We know more. You know, we get distracted, too, by the shiny things in life. We get distracted by the charming and the influential people, many of whom haven't got a lick of sense, if you get right down to it. None of us is immune. We tend to be caught up in the sparkle of shiny hallways and glittery things. Ever since President Bush said he had seen Putin's soul and it looked okay to him, we have watched one president after another buy into Putin's deceit, getting swept up in his charm, his nice smile, his nice suit, the shiny allure of a business deal. We seek power. We minimize danger. It's all part of human nature. We all do it, but it can also get us into a lot of trouble. In fact, looking around, I'd say we're in a world of trouble. And there's a lot of bad, scary stuff going on all around us all the time. And you can imagine God's anxiety on our behalf. The Pharisees come up to Jesus and invite him. They say, get out of here, or basically come away with us because you are in danger. You are in danger. But it's a trap. See, they just want to get Jesus away by himself, away from his network of support, away from the disciples and the crowds, because away from them, he is more vulnerable. But Jesus isn't deceived because he is focused on the kingdom of God. He isn't drawn to human power because he already knows and has God's power. He doesn't seek anything beyond the shining light of heaven. There is no glitter on earth that can attract him. And because the things of this world don't hold allure for Jesus, Jesus can see the truth behind the suit. Herod is no nice guy. He is a cunning, ruthless, murdering, power-hungry dictator. And so Jesus refuses the party invitation. Tell that fox, listen, I'm, I'm casting out demons and I'm performing miracles and cures today and tomorrow and on the third day I complete my work. The third day is resurrection day, we know that. The fox is getting closer and Jesus is worried, not so much for himself, but he's worried for us. Jerusalem, Jerusalem the city that kills the prophets and stones those that are sent to it, right? How long have I, uh, how, how often I have longed to gather your children as a hen gathers her brood under her wings, but you would not. 
When a mother hen spies a fox, she, she doesn't run around. We say chicken with her head cut off, but she doesn't do it. When, when a chicken spies a fox, she will become very still in one spot, and she puts her wings out, and she begins to cluck furiously. She starts clucking out a warning, and she's calling her chicks. And the chicks come to the mother hen, and they get all up under her wings, and she puts those wings down around them, so if you have to look really hard to peek and see their little tiny feet and beaks peeking out, and they get very still and very quiet, and they remain there until the danger has passed. Jesus says, how I would long to do that for you. But I am here, and I'm calling, and I'm calling, and you won't come. All it would take for us to survive the attack of the fox would be for us to draw close and to stand still and remain nearby the one who would protect us, and that is the calling of Lent. The call to return to the Lord our God, to draw near to God's power, to listen to God's voice, to accept God's invitation, an invitation to a banquet which offers us the bread of life. But we probably won't accept and we often don't listen. So there is uh, an alternative when we refuse to heed God's call, Jesus' call to come and take shelter under God's wings. When we don't listen, then God's going to save us anyway. If you watch mother chickens, first of all, you don't usually see the chicks not come. But if the chicks don't come or the chicks can't make it to her safely, what the chicken does is the mother will then run towards the danger and create a distraction and basically hurl herself into the jaws of death, into the fox's mouth in order to protect her young. She sacrifices her life in order to save her children and this is what Jesus is doing for us. He's heading to Jerusalem. He's calling attention to himself. He's standing up to the fox and all the powers of this world and he is going to die on a Roman cross so that nothing, not even death, can rob us of our life with God.